You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Very good. Okay. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the way of apprenticeship. So Steve spoke about this um, on Sunday, and this idea of discipleship, or a better word being apprenticeship, um, is was first, from my understanding, really coined by Dallas Willard. He's the one who made that connection. And so there was a great article that I studied out this week called um, How to Be a Disciple. So if you want to read that, it's a really great little study. Um, So How to Be a Disciple by Dallas Willard. So he talks a lot about being an apprentice of Jesus. Um, Also, there's a book, a new book that's come out, if any of you would like to be reading a new book by John Mark Comer, and it's called Practicing the Way. Uh, So it's be with Jesus, become like him, and do as he did. So this just came out last month in January, so if you'd like to read that, I've ordered it, I haven't had a chance to read it just yet. I know Steve is currently reading that um, as well. So when we think about this idea of practicing the way, or the way of apprenticeship, um, this word, the way, to define Christianity comes up a lot in the New Testament. It was what Christianity was known as before it was even Christianity. So they were, can you think of any references where we see the way being used? There particularly was in the book of Acts. Can you think of any reason? Okay, yeah. Shuri? Followers of the way, yeah. So another reference with Paul and the way. Remember? So when he was going around murdering the Christians, he was that reference was to the followers of the way. That's who he was going after, arresting and murdering. So this was there was this idea that why do you think it was called the way in the very first century early church? Why was it called that? What do we think, Jody? Definitely, yeah. He was the way, the truth, and the life. Anything else? So, like, it has to do with maybe their understanding of what true love is, or maybe. You know, yeah. I I, perfect, yeah, I think so. Oscar. Uh, the way to live. Yep. The way to live, the way to God. Yes, Reese? I'm thinking maybe there were so many different kind of, like, sects or Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Dallas Willard, he's, this is his definition of the way. Living life in the kingdom of God. How to live within the range of God's effective will with his life flowing through mine. What an amazing way to live your life (laughs) that's amazing that our entire being is living in the kingdom of God every single moment of our lives goes through the lens of kingdom living not just we come on a church on a Sunday we have a quiet time we go off to work then we come back and do some kingdom stuff for midweek No, our entire being lives within 
his kingdom every day, all day. That's what the way means to Dallas Willard. I love that definition. With his life flowing through us. That's pretty special. This is what he says about apprenticeship or discipleship. A disciple or apprentice is simply someone who has decided to be with another person, a teacher or a master, in order to become capable of doing what that person does or to become what that person is. So that's what we are as disciples of Jesus. We are striving to become like him. Trying to do the things that he did, but it's a decision to do that. It doesn't come just from proximity of being in a church or, you know, again, doing the religious activity. It's a decision that today I'm going to do those kingdom things because I am a disciple of Jesus. So therefore, the way of apprenticeship is these two things. Number one, learning from Jesus to live my life as he would live if he were I. And I've shared that before. Learning from Jesus to live my life as he would live it if he were me, if he were I. So not that we're trying to live our lives as Jesus would live them. There's a difference here. It's how do I live, how would Jesus live my life? So with my bank balance, with my job, with my family background, with my education, do do you see the difference? How would he do it? He doesn't want to change our circumstances. He just wants us to try and figure out how would Jesus live the life that God has given me to live. That's true discipleship. That's the way of apprenticeship. So we're not necessarily learning to do everything he did, but learning how to do everything I do in the manner that he would do it. That's the difference. Okay, That's, this is Dallas Willard, this is a, my stuff, I'm just, I'm stealing everything today. Because it was so awesome, I was like, this is great stuff. But it's such a different view, I think, to discipleship. Because it's, it's less even about us. But it's like, okay, how would Jesus live my life? We sometimes want him to change our circumstances. Instead of trying to figure out, no, this is my lot, this is my life, this is what God has given me, how would Jesus live this life? That's powerful stuff. So, in living this apprentice life, our association needs to be based not on doing And I think our church culture, Mark and I were talking, Mark, what year were you baptized? 81. Whew, 81. And there was no discipleship study then. So it was a lordship study, which I'd like to talk a bit more about. That sounds very interesting. But 
you know, I was baptized in 95, and it was definitely was a discipleship study. And I thought about the focus of that study was amazing, because it's radical, never seen anything like it. But, our, but by that time, our family of churches were almost, they were a reaction from a church, a mainline church that was, had a lot of really good doctrine, but the practice wasn't always being carried out. Does that make sense? So as a result, the studies sometimes were quite focused on the doing part of our faith. And we are called, and God does great works in us. He's called us to good works. But it's sometimes easy to focus on, okay, what do I do as a disciple? But is that really what Jesus has called us to? What were the two scriptures that meant that we were doing disciples? What would we say we were in that study? Matthew 28. Okay, Mark 1. Become fishers of men. It's doing. And that's in the study for sure. But if that's our only lens of definition of what it means to be a disciple, we make that the the metric by which we judge each other, ourselves. And I don't know if it's really healthy if that's the only view that we have. And as a result, we grow up spiritually focusing and learning how to do kind of special religious activities as a Christian. Because that's what you do. Because we're called to be doers of the word. And none of those things are wrong in and of themselves. But if that's our only focus, we miss out on so much more of true biblical discipleship. We learn how to have a quiet time. That's important, of course. To keep away from sin, to evangelize, to study the Bible with people, to lead a group. All those things are so important and we then we measure, they're the metrics. We're doing great because we're now finally a family group leader. We've arrived because we've been doing, doing, doing. We get confidence and assurance and even sadly self-righteousness because we are in these positions of doing without really perhaps sometimes focusing on who we really are and who we are being. You see, it's what we do must come from what? Who we are. Okay? Imagine if the discipleship study was maybe redefined through Matthew 11. What does Matthew 11:28 say? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, learn from me, be humble, gentle, all of that. Imagine if that was, you know, our starting place. Just to learn from Jesus, to learn to be just like him in character. Then those other things are important and we don't get rid of those. But our viewpoint is very different and our outcome and our focus becomes very different. Imagine if it was John 15, the discipleship study. You know, love one another and by this all men will know you are my disciples. If that was the focus. Again, I know that we do that. But those things, they look to the heart of who we are more than just the doing of what the Bible calls us to as well. So being an apprentice of Jesus really is about these three things. 
It's about thinking about who we are and how we do those things, not necessarily on what we do. So, spending time with him, and Steve spoke about that on Sunday, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Following and learning from him, and then applying him to our lives. That's the difference. So let's talk about these things momentarily. So on Sunday, Steve um, preached through the calling of the first disciples here. And so I'm going to read just very, very briefly. So it says, uh, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and asked them, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. What's the first thing that they did? They just spent time with Jesus. That was it. The whole day they spent with Jesus. What do you think they did? Talked. Sat at his feet. What else? Ate with him. Listened to him. Asked him questions. Watched him. Can you imagine that day? Can you just imagine a day, just you spending the day with Jesus? How amazing would that be? How beautiful that would be? Wow. That's the first thing that they did. The very first thing. Now, as a result of them spending time with Jesus... What did they do? Or what did Andrew do? He then went and told his brother Simon. He didn't go and even tell him straight away. It was he spent time with the Lord first, was so enamored by who Jesus was, that he then went and shared that out of where? Out of duty? Out of what? Joy. Excitement. Where did that come from? His heart. Not out of obligation, but simply because he had spent time with Jesus. It's a huge difference. A huge difference. I like this I saw. It said, how can we expect to grow closer to Christ without spending time alone with him? You know, if our model of discipleship perhaps has been more focused on the doing, it's okay. You're here because of that. (laughs) But I do think that our next chapter needs to look so much richer. God is definitely trying to do something within our lives. And it comes, it starts with spending time with him. So, going back to Slido, this is your next question. How much time do you spend with God each day? Prayer, Bible study, solitude. So around up to 15 minutes, around half an hour or an hour or more. You should have the question. So an hour or more. 40%, 30 minutes, 33% an hour plus, 
and 25% 15 minutes. You know, the challenge is life, life is busy. But if our entire existence is simply about living in God's kingdom and learning to have his energy flow within us, I know for me, 15 minutes is not going to cut it. <laughs> there is no way. I remember Andy Fleming saying, as a, he did a, a leadership lesson for the staff in the UK, and he said, your best asset as a minister is your relationship with God. And that's the same for all of us. Our best asset for your marriage, for your small group, for your children, for one another, your household, is your relationship with God. More than your talents, your gifts, your ability, all of that. Your walk with God. Who did Jesus call? Unschooled, ordinary men who had just learned to spend time with him and value that time. We have to find time, I think, to work, the, the time that works best for us. I remember Doug Jacoby teaching this and it was quite, you know, we could be sometimes a little bit uh, dogmatic about when we should spend time with God. Okay? If you're not a morning person, you could then feel quite guilty about not spending time with him first. But maybe your best time is at night. That's okay. Find the time that works best for you. Be creative about your time and how you spend time with him. You know, if you're, if you're driving, I love listening to the radio, but I will turn it off fast from the radio so that I can pray. Just grab moments of silence just to be with God. Like today I was doing some ironing and I was praying for one of the brothers and I was making some dinner for the family. I was praying for another brother. It's like we, if we create these spaces... We find we can fill them with godly things, with kingdom things. But if our whole life is so filled with stuff, with noise, with sound, with visuals, God easily gets pushed out. How do you enjoy spending time with God? Because you've got to find, your, find the thing that you personally enjoy. So what I'd like us to do just for a moment is... Have a little bit of a conversation. And here are some ways of, in, of spending time with the Lord. Which of those stand out to you? To have a look and then just share with the person next to you. So can you raise your hand if for you it's the worship, something in the worship circle? Okay. Worship. Just one to make it easier, but you can do, if it's more than one, it's okay, I don't mind. Okay, mind, in the mind circle. Okay, interesting. Um, here. Okay. And prayer. Okay, mind's prayers definitely as well. Okay. Um, but the fact is, is that I think as we go through different seasons spiritually, don't we? And perhaps... There are things in there that we might enjoy that we have never even tried before. So today, the two asterisks that are there, I'd like to introduce you to two practices if you would like to try those out. Okay, so the first one is called a rule of life. 
Anyone heard of that before? Rule of life? So here's another QR code. You're welcome to scan that. We do like our QR codes. Um, this, this church is called Cross Church, and they base this on Practicing the Way and John Mark Comer. But it gives you, I think, about five or six different rules of life, and you choose as many of them that are applicable and appropriate to you. And a rule of life is simply a schedule of set practices and relational rhythms that help you create space in our busy world and our busy lives to be with Jesus. To become like him and to do what he did to live life to the full in his kingdom. Sometimes, if we don't, it's kind of you're developing habits and frameworks where you can exist in his kingdom. So Max and I were talking, he said, what do you do in the mornings for your, you know, your quiet times? So I started to wake up and I listened to a spiritual podcast or a sermon of some kind. That's the first thing that I do while I'm even still in bed. So first thing I do. And then I get up. I make a cup of coffee, I then sit down with my Bible and my spiritual book, I read that, I then go out and pray, come back, and then I eat. So that's my rule of life that I try to do every single day. And I know, it's a, and then it's a habit, I, and I often will imagine Jesus waiting for me outside my front door to go on my walk with him. You know how when you were young and your friends would come and, you know, knock on for you, hey, can you come out and play? That's what I feel like with Jesus, that he's waiting out there for me. And I'm like, hey, you're here, and then we go. That's my, hap- that's my daily rule of life for that. But it's awesome, there are so many others that you can do, and it gives you questions to answer, so give that a try. Alright, has anybody heard of this, the examine? Not an exam. Okay, so this is a technique of reflective prayer. And it focuses on different events of your day, things maybe to give thanks for, maybe things that are troubling you. And it, it, it's, it's set out in such a way that it gives you structure of what to pray for and what to think about. Okay, this is a really nice one that I found. And this one is all about finding God in all things. Similar to the song that we sang, Encourage My Soul, that's what this one will do. So if you're going through some hard times or just, you know, wrestling with life, this is a really beautiful practice to do. You know, I think sometimes we can not be as keen of maybe perhaps traditional, you know, church practices because we, we, the pendulum swung away from those because they were too formalized. But actually, there's some real beauty in some of these practices that can really bring us back to God. Okay, you got that? Yes? Alright, wonderful. Give those a try. Let, let me know how you get on with those. Okay, so the next people that we see in the calling of the disciples was in John 1.43. And we see that finding Philip, Jesus said to him, hey, come on, follow me. So Philip starts following. But then Philip, after following Jesus, we don't know how long he followed for, he then finds Nathanael, who then 
follows as well. So bringing other people to Jesus, as I said, and us being a light to the world is not necessarily our duty, our obligation, but it comes from us spending time and following and learning from Jesus. And I really think that when our life is centered around Jesus first, then those other outreach opportunities, they just come. We look for them, we seek them, we pray for them, just because we're just enjoying Jesus so much. So much that we just have to let people know. This is my, this is my homeroom class that I used to teach in the UK. So, that boy next to me, I don't know how tall he is now, but he's, he was only uh, 15. Yeah, 15. Anyway, so, so that was my classroom. I taught philosophy, religion, and ethics, P-R-E. Um, every day, I would go into work, and I would pray to be Jesus in that school environment. And that Jesus would live his life through me. That I would be a light, that I would somehow be a blessing, and I would point people to God. I didn't know how I was going to do that, or what was going to happen. But... I was so excited about just being that light and that example in this secular school that had no really religious foundation that I knew that God wanted to use me, you know, in some way. And I don't know what's happened and what impacts, you know, none of these people in, while I was there, do I, I don't know if they became Christians, but I don't have to worry about that. All I had to worry about or even pray about was trying to just simply let Jesus live his life through me. And the impact on the kids was amazing. I mean, I won't go into some of the stories, but really amazing. And I want to remind us that that's what Jesus has called us to. I still can't figure out how amazing or get my mind around what Jesus calls us and says about us. He says that you are the light of the world. Handley. You are the light of the world. You. You. Isn't that amazing? Did you feel that way today? (laughs) Lupe, you are the salt of the earth. When your customers come to you and you're doing their hair... They feel so good after spending time in your chair that they're like, wow, I feel seasoned by love and grace and joy. And I know that happens, I'm sure. (laughs) But that's who we are. That's who Jesus calls us to be. Isn't that amazing? Yes, he is the light of the world. But he says we are too. But whose light are we? We're his light. This isn't about us and our charisma, our personality, our character. It's about letting the time that we've spent with him shine so brightly that we point people to Jesus through simply the way that we interact with them, that they see there's something different about you. 
Why are you so joyful? Why do you not gossip? I remember being in the staff room at my school and um, any teachers in here? Do we have, yeah. Teachers talk about you if you're a parent, okay? In the staff room. It does happen. <laughs> and so we were talking about, I was not, they were talking about this, this student and her dad. And her, you know, and her dad was very interesting. And so um, the... They were talking about him, and then one of the teachers said to me, she said, oh, have you met him? And I was like, yeah, I have. And then my colleague who knows me very well, she said, that's the worst thing you'll hear him say about somebody. And everyone was like, really? Just shocked. But she had seen my interactions, you know, with the kids, with parents, around other staff, when all around me is like gossip and talking about other people, not a very nice place. But it's so easy to be drawn into that and want to fit in. You don't want to stand out. You want to hear the latest bit of gossip, you know, and have an opinion on it. How would Jesus live his life, my life, if he was living it through me? That's always what we have to think about. Amen? Okay. Last quick story. Um, There was a brother who moved from Australia to London. And he said um, that he was having a leaving party in his his office. And um, he was able to bring a few people from church to come along to him. And uh, people were sharing, you know, how they knew him and sharing what he was like at church. And one of his co-workers said to him, Oh, I'm so surprised. I never knew you were a Christian. And he was like devastated, just shocked. That helped him actually as he moved to the UK just to have a a restart, a refresh in his walk with God. Because he thought, I've been here this whole time not being the light, not being the salt that Jesus has called me to. So, this is what we're reminded of. Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is how God wants to use you. But it comes from where? Your heart and spending time with Jesus. Okay? So what I'd like you to do, just finish off in prayer, and just pray for whatever has spoken to you tonight, and then we are free to be dismissed. All right, wonderful. Thank you. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.
almost, they were a reaction from a church, a mainline church that was, had a lot of really good doctrine, but the practice wasn't always being carried out. Does that make sense? So as a result, the studies sometimes were quite focused on the doing part of our faith. And we are called, and God does great works in us. He's called us to good works. But it's sometimes easy to focus on, okay, what do I do as a disciple? But is that really what Jesus has called us to? What were the two scriptures that meant that we were doing disciples? What would we say we were in that study? Matthew 28. Okay, Mark 1. Become fishes of men. It's doing. And that's in the study for sure. But if that's our only lens of definition of what it means to be a disciple, we make that the the metric by which we judge each other, ourselves. And I don't know if it's really healthy if that's the only view that we have. And as a result, we grow up spiritually focusing and learning how to do kind of special religious activities as a Christian, because that's what you do, because we're called to be doers of the word. And none of those things are wrong in and of themselves, but if that's our only focus, we miss out on so much more of true biblical discipleship. We learn how to have a quiet time. That's important, of course to keep away from sin, to evangelize, to study the Bible with people, to lead a group. All those things are so important and we then measure, they're the metrics. We're doing great because we're now finally a family group leader. We've arrived because we've been doing, doing, doing. We get confidence and assurance and even sadly self-righteousness because we are in these positions of doing without really perhaps sometimes focusing on who we really are and who we are being. You see, it's what we do must come from what? Who we are. Okay? Imagine if the discipleship study was maybe redefined through Matthew 11. What does Matthew 11:28 say? Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, learn from me. Be humble, gentle, all of that. Imagine if that was, you know, our starting place. Just to learn from Jesus, to learn to be just like him in character. Then those other things are important and we don't get rid of those. But our viewpoint is very different and our outcome and our focus becomes very different. Imagine if it was John 15, the discipleship study. You know, love one another and by this all men will know you are my disciples. If that was the focus. Again, I know that we do that. But those things, they look to the heart of who we are more than just the doing of what the Bible calls us to as well. So being an apprentice of Jesus really is about these three things. It's about thinking about who we are and how we do those things, not necessarily on what we do. So, spending time with him, and Steve spoke about that on Sunday, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Following and learning from him, and then applying him to our lives. 
That's the difference. So let's talk about these things momentarily. So on Sunday, Steve um, preached through the calling of the first disciples here. And so I'm going to read just very, very briefly. So it says, uh, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and asked them, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. What's the first thing that they did? They just spent time with Jesus. That was it. The whole day they spent with Jesus. What do you think they did? Talked. Sat at his feet. What else? Ate with him. Listened to him. Asked him questions. Watched him. Can you imagine that day? Can you just imagine a day, just you spending the day with Jesus? How amazing would that be? How beautiful that would be? Wow. That's the first thing that they did. The very first thing. Now, as a result of them spending time with Jesus... What did they do? Or what did Andrew do? He then went and told his brother Simon. He didn't go and even tell him straight away. It was he spent time with the Lord first, was so enamored by his, who Jesus was, that he then went and shared that out of where? Out of duty? Out of what? Joy. excitement, where did that come from? His heart. Not out of obligation, but simply because he had spent time with Jesus. It's a huge difference. A huge difference. I like this I saw. It said, how can we expect to grow closer to Christ without spending time alone with him? You know, if our model of discipleship perhaps has been more focused on the doing, it's okay. You're here because of that. (laughs) But I do think that our next chapter needs to look so much richer. God is definitely trying to do something within our lives. And it comes, it starts with spending time with him. So going back to Slido, this is your next question. How much time do you spend with God each day? Prayer, Bible study, solitude. So around up to 15 minutes, around half an hour or an hour or more. You should have the question. Have you got it, everybody? Under polls. So an hour or more.
Okay, the last few seconds, and then I click and it will display the results. So, the last time I checked the national statistics on this, the average time was about 15 minutes nationally for Christians. Okay, so let's see how we do. Okay, anyone else to put in? Okay. Okay, very good. Awesome. Okay. So 30 minutes, 40%, 30 minutes, 33% an hour plus, and 25%, 15 minutes. You know, the challenge is life, life is busy. But if our entire existence is simply about living in God's kingdom and learning to have his energy flow within us, I know for me, 15 minutes is not going to cut it. <laughs> there is no way. I remember Andy Fleming saying, as a, he did a, a leadership lesson for the staff in the UK, and he said, your best asset as a minister is your relationship with God. And that's the same for all of us. Our best asset for your marriage, for your small group, for your children, for one another, your household, is your relationship with God. More than your talents, your gifts, your ability, all of that. Your walk with God. Who did Jesus call? Unschooled, ordinary men who had just learned to spend time with him and value that time. We have to find time, I think, to work, the, the time that works best for us. I remember Doug Jacoby teaching this and it was quite, you know, we could be sometimes a little bit uh, dogmatic about when we should spend time with God, okay? If you're not a morning person, you could then feel quite guilty about not spending time with him first. But maybe your best time is at night. That's okay. Find the time that works best for you. Be creative about your time and how you spend time with him. You know, if you're, if you're driving, I love listening to the radio, but I will turn it off fast from the radio so that I can pray. Just grab moments of silence just to be with God. Like today I was doing some ironing and I was praying for one of the brothers and I was making some dinner for the family. I was praying for another brother. It's like we, if we create these spaces we find we can fill them with godly things, with kingdom things. But if our whole life is so filled with stuff, with noise, with sound, with visuals, God easily gets pushed out. How do you enjoy spending time with God? Because you've got to find, your, find the thing that you personally enjoy. So what I'd like us to do just for a moment is have a little bit of a conversation. And here are some ways of, in, of spending time with the Lord. Which of those stand out to you? To have a look and then just share with the person next to you.
All right, wonderful. So can you raise your hand if, for you, it's the worship, something in the worship circle? Okay. Worship. Just one to make it easier, but you can do, if it's more than one, it's okay. I don't mind. Okay, mind. In the mind circle. Okay, interesting. Um, here. Okay. And prayer. Okay. Mind's prayers definitely as well. Okay. Um, but the fact is, is that I think as we go through different seasons spiritually, don't we? And perhaps there are things in there that we might enjoy that we have never even tried before. So today, the two asterisks that are there, I'd like to introduce you to two practices if you would like to try those out. Okay, so the first one is called a rule of life. Anyone heard of that before? Rule of life? So here's another QR code. You're welcome to scan that. We do like our QR codes. Um, this, this church is called Cross Church, and they base this on Practice in the Way and John Mark Comer. But it gives you, I think, about five or six different rules of life, and you choose as many of them that are applicable and appropriate to you. And a rule of life is simply a schedule of set practices and relational rhythms that help you create space in our busy world and our busy lives to be with Jesus, to become like him and to do what he did, to live life to the full in his kingdom. Sometimes, if we don't, it's kind of you're developing habits and frameworks where you can exist in his kingdom. So Max and I were talking, he said, what do you do in the mornings for your, you know, your quiet times? So I started to wake up and I listened to a spiritual podcast or a sermon of some kind. That's the first thing that I do while I'm even still in bed. So first thing I do. And then I get up, I make a cup of coffee, I then sit down with my Bible and my spiritual book, I read that, I then go out and pray, come back, and then I eat. So that's my rule of life that I try to do every single day. And I know, it's a, and then it's a habit, I, and I often will imagine Jesus waiting for me outside my front door to go on my walk with him. You know how when you were young and your friends would come and, you know, knock on for you, hey, can you come out and play? That's what I feel like with Jesus, that he's waiting out there for me. And I'm like, hey, you're here, and then we go. That's my, hap- that's my daily rule of life for that. But it's awesome. There are so many others that you can do, and it gives you questions to answer. So give that a try. All right, has anybody heard of this, the examine? Not an exam. Okay, so this is a technique of reflective prayer. And it focuses on different events of your day, things maybe to give thanks for, maybe things that are troubling you. And it, it, it's, it's set out in such a way that it gives you structure of what to pray for and what to think about. Okay, this is a really nice one that I found. And this one is all about... Finding God in all things. Similar to the song that we sang, Encourage My Soul, that's what this one will do. 
So if you're going through some hard times or just, you know, wrestling with life, this is a really beautiful practice to do. You know, I think sometimes we can not be as keen of maybe perhaps traditional, you know, church practices because we, we, the pendulum swung away from those because they were too formalized. But actually, there's some real beauty in some of these practices that can really bring us back to God. Okay, you got that? Yes? All right, wonderful. Give those a try. Let, let me know how you get on with those. Okay, so the next people that we see in the calling of the disciples was in John 1.43. And we see that finding Philip, Jesus said to him, hey, come and follow me. So Philip starts following. But then Philip, after following Jesus, we don't know how long he followed for, he then finds Nathanael, who then follows as well. So bringing other people to Jesus, as I said, and us being a light to the world is not necessarily our duty, our obligation, but it comes from us spending time and following and learning from Jesus. And I really think that when our life is centered around Jesus first, then those other outreach opportunities, they just come. We look for them, we seek them, we pray for them, just because we're just enjoying Jesus so much. So much that we just have to let people know. This is my, this is my homeroom class that I used to teach in the UK. So, that boy next to me, I don't know how tall he is now, but he's, he was only uh, 15. Yeah, 15. Anyway, so, so that was my classroom. I taught philosophy, religion, and ethics, P-R-E. Um, every day, I would go into work, and I would pray to be Jesus in that school environment and that Jesus would live his life through me that I would be a light that I would somehow be a blessing and I would point people to God I didn't know how I was going to do that or what was going to happen but I was so excited about just being that light and that example in this secular school that had no really religious foundation that I knew that God wanted to use me, you know, in some way. And I don't know what's happened and what impacts, you know, none of these people in, while I was there, do I, I don't know if they became Christians, but I don't have to worry about that. All I had to worry about or even pray about was trying to just simply let Jesus live his life through me. And the impact on the kids was amazing. I mean, I won't go into some of the stories, but really amazing. And I want to remind us that that's what Jesus has called us to. I still can't figure out how amazing or get my mind around what Jesus calls us and says about us. He says that you are the light of the world. Handley, you are the light of the world. You. You. Isn't that amazing? Did you feel that way today? <laughs> Lupe, you are the salt of the earth. 
when your customers come to you and you're doing their hair, they feel so good after spending time in your chair that they're like, wow, I feel seasoned by love and grace and joy. And I know that happens, I'm sure. (laughs) But that's who we are. That's who Jesus calls us to be. Isn't that amazing? Yes, he is the light of the world. But he says, we are too. But whose light are we? We're his light. This isn't about us and our charisma, our personality, our character. It's about letting the time that we've spent with him shine so brightly that we point people to Jesus through simply the way that we interact with them that they see there's something different about you. Why are you so joyful? Why do you not gossip? I remember being in the staff room at my school and um, any teachers in here? Do we have? Yeah. Teachers talk about you if you're a parent, okay? In the staff room. It does happen. <laughs> and so we were talking about, I was not, they were talking about this, this student and her dad. And her, you know, and her dad was very interesting. And so um, the, they were talking about him. And then one of the teachers said to me, she said, oh, have you met him? And I was like, yeah, I have. And then my colleague who knows me very well, she said, that's the worst thing you'll hear him say about somebody. And everyone was like, well, really? Just shocked. But she had seen my interactions, you know, with the kids, with parents, around other staff, when all around me is like gossip and talking about other people, not a very nice place. But it's so easy to be drawn into that and want to fit in. You don't want to stand out. You want to hear the latest bit of gossip, you know, and have an opinion on it. How would Jesus live his life? My life, if he was living it through me. That's always what we have to think about. Amen? Okay. Last quick story. Um, There was a brother who moved from Australia to London. And he said um, that he was having a leaving party in his his office. And um, he was able to bring a few people from church to come along to it. And uh, people were sharing, you know, how they knew him and sharing what he was like at church. And one of his co-workers said to him, oh, I'm so surprised. I never knew you were a Christian. And he was like devastated, just shocked. That helped him, actually, as he moved to the UK, just to have a a restart, a refresh in his walk with God. Because he thought, I've been here this whole time not being the light, not being the salt that Jesus has called me to. So, this is what we're reminded of. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is how God wants to use you. But it comes from where? Your heart and spending time with Jesus. Okay? So what I'd like you to do, just finish off in prayer and 
Just pray for whatever has spoken to you tonight, and then we are free to be dismissed. All right? Wonderful.
Okay, once you finish, enjoy a great time of fellowship.